the bishop, and our beautiful first lady. We love them so much. I appreciate Pastor Neil allowing me to use the pulpit. I never felt qualified to do this work. And every day I feel like somebody else could do it better than I am. Praise God. He, Pastor Neil was asking me what kind of suit I wear or what size of suit I wear these days. I felt like, I, you know, responding by saying, you know, before I eat or after I eat. Praise God. Because yeah, it, it, it does vary quite a bit. Praise God. But we appreciate the Neils. They're among the finest people, not just in Pentecost, but in all of the world. And I know that I'll never find a finer man. I'll never meet a greater man than Pastor Neil. Praise God. I'll never meet a more beautiful. Oh, I better be careful here. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. We love the Neils. I know you're standing. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Amen. All week I wondered what to preach, and I feel like I've got some direction from God for us today. 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is a familiar story. Please don't tune me out. I know we've heard this story before. Praise God. The Bible says in verse 33, 1 Samuel 17, 33, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. But he's a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and a lamb. I took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him, and I smote him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard, and I smote him, and I slew him. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with thee. And so, church, here we see that David, in the face of his biggest challenge, the challenge of a lifetime, what does he do? He looks back and remembers what God had done for him. He rehearsed his past victories. The times that he overcame, he remembered the times he won. My title for just a few moments this morning is Sometimes the Past is Worth Remembering. Sometimes the past is worth holding on to. God, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for this service, God. I want to thank you for everybody who's here today. God, we're here for a reason and a purpose. Minister and meet every need today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How many believe that God has done something for you? I mean, can we all agree that God has done something in our lives? I think we can all say that God has been with us, that God has touched us, that God has been active in our lives. I think we can all agree about that. I mean, looking at ourselves, most of the time when we look at our past, uh, it's probably with a little bit of hesitation. It's probably with a little bit of shame, a little bit of regret, maybe some embarrassment. I know in my life, I always ask, why did I do that? How could I have done that? Why did I wear that? Why did I style my hair that way? Why did I eat so much? Amen. For many of us, looking back, it's just not comfortable for us. We all have times in our lives where we wish we could have gone back and taken those days back and taken those decisions back and, and have changed some things. Many of us, when we look back, it's not with fondness. 
The past holds us captive. Many of us are unable to shake the memories and, and the regret and the shame. And sometimes we're unable to see past the scars. For a lot of us, we choose not to look back simply because it hurts. It hurts to look back. Man, we believe that there is nothing in the past for us. The past for a lot of us has been difficult. At youth conference, I was, we were at the altar on the last night, and in front of me was a young woman, and, uh, and, and her arms were, were cut from her hand to her elbow, and, and scars like you wouldn't believe. And, and I look over a few rows, and there's another woman with the exact same thing, and she's the same age, and, and you could see where she tried to take her life. And, and I thought, wow, their, their past is something. You know, they've got some stories there. They've got some difficulties there. And, and uh, their, their past had to have been incredibly difficult. And what I saw that day, it was, it was amazing, and it was beautiful because uh, these young ladies lost in the spirit, their arms raised up into heaven. Praise God, praising God unashamed. The world could see their past, but it didn't matter. They were freely worshiping, and, and that is the hope that we have for those who, whose past has got them feeling ashamed, whose, whose past has got them feeling a little embarrassed. Praise God. For many, the power of the past has us feeling handcuffed. In many cases, it's beneficial to simply forget about the past and move on. That's why Paul wrote, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead sometimes it's the only thing we can do at times it's our own only option but today i'd like to present to the church that sometimes and in some ways the past has another purpose the past doesn't always have to be a reminder of when things were bad when things were tough it can serve to remind us when we overcame it can serve to remind us where we had victory and we won a battle. The times where I was tempted and I didn't fall. Praise God. The times the enemy whispered in my ear and I didn't listen. Amen. The times I pressed through when I wanted to quit. Amen. The past isn't always for forgetting. But sometimes it's worth holding on to. A few years ago, my family and I, we had the chance to go down to the Ronald Reagan Library just outside of Los Angeles. And, and it's a beautiful place. a tremendous place all the places I've been it's probably the highlight of my travels uh, one of the highlights of my life and it's a very prestigious place it's an American landmark and uh, I have a picture of me shaking hands with Ronald Reagan and you know I, I don't know if that means anything to you but for me I thought it was pretty cool if you can imagine they took his Air Force One plane Air Force One and they built a building around Air Force One we got to go on Air Force One. Not many people can say that. And being there, you just get a sense of how uh, revered he is in the United States, how, he, how they love him. They just adore Ronald Reagan. They love him because he was more than expected. He was stronger than they thought he was. And he was, was just an actor, but now he's the president that they measure themselves up against. He rose that country to another level. They were great, but but he took them over the top. He displayed their strength, and he, uh, not just militarily, but their strength as a people, and, and uh, they love him. He even looked the part. He looks very presidential. He's got great hair. Amen. And this library, this museum, it's a tribute to the great days of Reagan. And, you know, they have his Air Force One that we got to tour. We got to see where Clinton sat, and Bush sat, and Carter, and 
And uh, they had it set up how Reagan liked it. And they have the restaurant booth where he proposed to his wife in, in this library. And they have his Marine One helicopter and, and the armored limos that, that took him all over the world. They boasted of his Cold War victories and, and the strength that he just exuberated. It had all kinds of nostalgia and all kinds of sentimentality there. A look back for them to a time where there were better days. Where they seemed to be a better country. A look back to a time where they were the undisputed leaders of the world. Fast forward to today, they're in the, the process of their elections and you see the, the hot mess that they're in right now. Their country is a disaster, and they say, make America great again. You know, we need a change. And so they look back at where they were, the country that they were, and they wonder, could they get back to that place again? Where they ruled the world, where they were feared, when they were revered, when they were uh, respected and uh, emulated and admired. Everybody looked to them to lead. One man, he built his campaign on a promise to make America great again. They're fueled by their past. Could we do this again? Could we be great again? Could we lead the world again like we used to? And they build these monuments to what were better days, better times, remembering and looking to the past. Amen. Look what we did. Look what we accomplished. Amen. Could we do it again? They draw strength and inspiration and incentive moving forward. We did it once. We can do it again. We were great. We can be great again. If you can understand what I'm getting at, church. If you can understand where I'm going with this. <clears throat> this is the power of the past. Sometimes the past is worth holding on to. Sometimes it's worth remembering. It can be the catalyst for things moving forward. Praise God. Great things can come out of when we look and see what God has done for us. Praise God. I don't know what it is, but when it comes to the church, one of the, the tragedies that we have in the church is that we often forget very soon what God has done for us. For whatever reason, we take the victories that we've got and the blessings that we've been given and embrace them for a little while, remember them for a little while, but then we put them down and they fade away and we forget about them. And while we allow our victories to fade, at the same time, we are forever holding on to the mistakes that we made, to the failures that we had, the times where we fell short. This is a tragedy, really is. When we forget what God has done for us, when we forget what he did and we dwell on what he didn't do, when we forget the prayers that he answered and we dwell on the prayers he, he hasn't answered yet. Amen. I'm preaching today that yesterday, yesterday's victories, yesterday's triumphs, yesterday's blessing, we need to hold on to them for more than just a little while. Amen. They can be instrumental in our perspective moving forward. They shouldn't be altogether forgotten. The past shouldn't be altogether forgotten. Sometimes it's worth holding on to. I'm going to show you, church, in the word of God this morning, that great things can come out of remembering what God already did. I'd like to go through this story in 1 Samuel. It's one that we all heard before, one that we love and, and read about many times. I, it still sends chills down my spine. I still get goosebumps when I read uh, this, this story. 
So in First in Samuel, the start of the chapter, this is where the Bible says that Saul was with his men, the armies of Israel, and you got to understand these are powerful warriors. You know, they've been through some battles, they've been through some things. This is not their first fight. Uh, they're fighters. They've won some some battles, and they know how to fight. They've been at war, and and Saul, he's no slouch. He's uh, he's been in battle before, and and he's a veteran. And this is an army that has fought with God. Uh, with them, and so you'd think that uh, they, with, with knowing this, that they would have rolled through uh, anybody who stood in their way. But standing in their way today was not the Philistine army. I don't believe that the uh, the Israelites were intimidated by the army. They were intimidated instead by one man, uh, a very large man, Goliath. And the Bible describes him as the Philistines' champion. He was their hero. As long as they got this guy, he, he, they can't be defeated. And, and depending on where we read, he's between seven and nine feet. I'm not sure. But whatever the case, he's bigger and he's stronger than anybody in the Israelite army. The Bible said he had a ha helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had greaves of brass upon his legs, a target of brass between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said to them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose you a man. I let him come down to me. So this is a pretty big deal. This is a pretty big guy. He's looking at the Philistines, and I imagine uh, a bloodthirsty savage. And he's, you know, saying, give me somebody to fight. Nobody would fight him. Why would they? Nobody in their right mind would fight him. The Bible says that when Saul and, and Israel heard the challenge from, from Goliath, they were dismayed. They were very afraid. They were losing their minds. Nobody wanted any part of this man. And so the two armies are at a standstill. The Israelites are looking at the Philistines. The Philistines are looking at the Israelites. They're all prepared to fight. Everybody's all dressed up in their war costumes. And, but nothing is happening. And, and day after day, the scenario repeats itself until one day, David, he's too small. He's too young. He's too inexperienced to be on the battlefield. He's running errands for his his brothers who were in the fight. And he hears Goliath's challenge, send me somebody to fight. David hears this. And again, these mighty warriors, these, these strong men, they're, they're terrified. They're afraid. And the Bible says David heard what Goliath said, and it just bothered him. It didn't sit right with him. David knew who he was. David knew who his God was. And it bothered him. And he looks around in disgust and he sees men that should be fighting, fighters that should be fighting. And they're not. And they're cowering in the presence of this, this mighty man. And it bothered David. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this guy? David says to Saul, he says, let no man's heart fail because of him. I'll go and fight him. He says, hold on here. Nobody needs to have a heart attack. I'll take care of this. Amen. Don't freak out. Man, wouldn't it have been something to see this all taking place? And of course, everybody doubts him. You're just a child. You're, just a, you're too young. You're too small. Goliath has been at war since he's been a child. 
What chance do you possibly have in this fight? And this is what I'd like to focus on today. If I could encourage anybody, it's with this thought. David is going to fight Goliath. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't look good. Nobody in their right mind would do this. But David is going to fight Goliath. He's going into the fight of his life. The biggest challenge of his lifetime. The biggest fight of his life. He's doing something that nobody else would. But before he does, he does something that we need to do when we're up against the challenge. Many of us are going through some things. Amen. Some of us will enter the fight of our life. No doubt some of us are in the fight of our life right now. The biggest challenge we've ever faced. And when facing his biggest challenge, he goes, he's going to fight Goliath. David does something here. He starts to remember the things that God has already done for him. He starts to remember the, in his mind and rehearse in his mind what the victories he's already won. He, he starts to think about the times he, he was victorious. He remembers the times he won. He's standing before Saul. He says, I can do this. Remember, there was a lion there, and he attacked my flock, and I, I grabbed him by his beard, and I, I knocked him out. And remember, there was a, a bear over here, and he came, and he attacked my flock, and I fought him, and I won. And he tells Saul, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like him. Amen. He said, the Lord delivered me, and he can do it again. Amen. This is the power of the past. I want to say to the church that yesterday's gains, they mean something. Yesterday's victories, praise God, they mean something. They are not tarnished trophies. Amen. They can be the catalyst for miracles. They can be the catalyst for our next miracle. What God did for me last year, I believe he can do it for me again this year. Yesterday's victories are the fuel that can bring about new victories. God did it for me once. He can do it again. Amen. Some things are worth remembering. Some things are worth holding on to. And so David, without any armor that fit him, he sets foot in the Elah Valley, armed with just a sling and a shepherd's bag with some stones in it. And no doubt he's nervous. No doubt he's got some butterflies. And Goliath, he's, he expresses that he's insulted. That Israel would send such a little man to fight him. And then David gives the speech that we all look to sometimes. And quote in the face of adversity. Thou comest with, to me with a sword and a spear. With a shield. But I come to you in the name of Jesus. Or in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of armies of Israel. Who thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smite thee. And I will take thine head from thee. And I will... Give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air. That all of earth would know that there is a God in Israel. Goliath starts to run toward David. David starts to run toward Goliath. I wish I was there to see this. This is legendary. Praise God. David reaches into his bag. He pulls out a stone. And listen, he, he throws it. He slings it. He doesn't have to aim. It was going to be God all along. Praise God. He doesn't even have to aim. Praise God. He doesn't have the strength to, to, to hit this man with the rock. But God changes the trajectory. God speeds up that, that rock and it hit him so hard that it sunk into his head. And then David goes without a sword of his own and uses Goliath's sword to cut off his head. And when Israel saw that their, their hero, their champion was dead, it was done. It was over. 
Israel won the day. In the face of his biggest challenge, David looked at what God already did. He said, I believe he can do it again. Amen. I believe he can do it again. I preached at home. that I've never seen the people of God go through challenges. Uh, so many challenges like we are going through right now. I've never seen it. We need everything. We need healing. We need deliverance. We need jobs. We need direction. We need restoration. We need God to touch our families, to touch our marriages. We need rent money. We need medication money. We need mortgage money. We need it all. And no doubt, it's no different here. Hey Amen. I don't know everybody here, but I, I don't think there's anybody here who isn't facing an uphill battle. And in the face of all these challenges, I'd like to challenge our thinking about the past today. The past, not all of it needs to be forgotten. Some of it, some of it needs to be held on for dear life. Praise God. Some of it needs to be cherished and put in a, a trophy case and, and allowed to encourage us when the tough times come around. Sometimes these trophies need to be taken out of their, their case. We've got to remember what God did for us. We need to polish them up a little bit. Amen. Sometimes we need to encourage ourselves in the victories that we've had. Amen. What if David forgot about his fight with the lion? What if he disregarded the fight that he had with the bear? Would he have had enough faith to go before Goliath? We don't know. But the word of God is clear. David used his past victory as a catalyst for his next. It's unlikely that we're going to fight any bears. It's unlikely we're going to fight any, any lions, any giants. But what we are facing, it might as well be a giant. It might as well be a wild animal. Amen. We need to look back and remember the times God healed us. Amen. We need to look back and remember the times that God touched our bodies. We need to look back and remember the times where God provided for us. The times where our money lasted longer than it should. The times our gas lasted longer than it should. The times when our groceries lasted longer than it should. The times where God healed my body. The times I got a discount on my home. The times I got a discount on my car. Hey Amen. God has brought me this far. He can do it again. Yesterday's gains mean something. Praise God. They can be the catalyst for miracles, signs, and wonders. Praise God. Some things are worth remembering. Hey Amen. God doesn't want us to forget what he's done. God is not in the business God is not in the one and done business. God wants to work in your life and bless you time and time again. I really believe that. He doesn't want us to forget what he's already done. For the people of God in Exodus chapter 12, he wanted them to remember what he did for them. He says, don't forget what I did for you. The passage tells of the Passover. And Sister Kim touched it a little bit this morning. I'll take that as confirmation. Praise God. This was the night where Israel was about to be freed from captivity. The night where God was going to set them free. This was the night that they marked their doorpost with the blood. Every family, every household of Israel, they put the, the, the blood covering on their home. And they were spared the death of their firstborn that night. But it's what God required them to do afterward that I'd like to point out. Because I believe the principle still applies today. After this happened, he said, my children, don't forget what I did for you. 
He told them they were to build a memorial, to build a memorial. It will serve to remind them when God said, all the firstborn of my children I redeemed. He's telling them that they can never forget what happened that night. Don't forget where you were and what I did for you. Always remember your victory. Tell your family, tell your children what I did for you. Build a, a memorial to remind you of what I did. He said, it shall be when your son asks, what is this? You will tell him, look what the Lord had done. Allow this to teach your little ones. Let it build their faith. Look what God did for us. Look what God did for our people. You can bet my children know when, when God has done something for us. Amen. He said, use this memorial to teach your little ones. He brought us out of the hand of bondage. Keep that memorial. Keep it alive. Keep it relevant in your life. Don't put it away. Don't forget about it. And each time they saw that memorial, it would be a reminder that God was with them. That God didn't leave them. That God didn't forget about them. That, but they were on his mind all the time. Until this day, the Jews still pass this on to their children. This little bit of history. They use it to build up and establish worth in their babies, self-worth in their children. They say, look what God did for our people. We are privileged. We are God's people. Look what he did for us. He can do it again. Amen. They don't forget that victory. These stones shall be a memorial. Amen. It's time we start building some memorials in our life. How about us? Do we have any memorials? Have we forgotten what God has done? Have we let it fade away? Praise God. We need to remember the times we overcame. We need to remember the time we overcame sickness and disease and debt and drugs and alcohol and pornography. Praise God. The times we were healed. The times where there was no way out. But God took care of it. Some moments, church, we got to build a memorial so that we never forget that God is with us. Praise God. When you look at a champion, he only gets where he is because of multiple victories. Victory after victory. He's not a champion without multiple victories. A fighter, his coach, before he ever steps into the ring, his coach is reminding him of the times that he won, the fights that he was victorious. He's telling him, remember the times you were good in the ring. Praise God. Remember the fights that you won. Remember the preparation time. The hours that you prepare. The hours of study, he's saying, listen, you've been here before. You've fought this kind of fighter before. You've beat this kind of guy before. You can do it again. He's reminding him of the big punch he's got. He's reminding him of the knockout that he had last time out. Every time there is a champion, no matter the kind, he's there because he put victory after victory after victory together. And he's only able to do that by allowing confidence from one victory to carry him through to the next in times of adversity they remind themselves of where they've been in times of adversity they remind themselves of what they already accomplished praise god the times they want they encourage themselves in their past victories i i did it once and i can do it again if you can understand what i'm getting at i believe that we need to do the same in our walk with god i overcame the enemy once i can do it again 
Are you scared? I, I was in the hour of temptation and I overcame. I can remind myself that I overcame in the Holy Ghost and, and I can allow it to help me again. You look back and you say, God has brought me through so much. Why can't he do it again? Praise God. The time I was tempted, but I didn't give in. In my hour of weakness, in my hour of trouble, when I'm being tested, when I'm going through the valley, I did it once. I can do it again. Building victory after victory. One thing that I have, that I will never forget in my lifetime, a victory that I have in my corner, a, a monumental victory, is how our, our house came to be. And some of you know the story. Some of you, it may not be a big deal. Uh, some of you own multiple houses. But for me, my family, this was something that we, we really wanted, but we could never get. And I'm so proud of my house, not because it makes me look good, but because of the story behind it, the miracle that allowed it to happen. Amen. It was in every way the hand of God working in my life like I never saw it before. And my faith, it will forever, forever let me tell you, forever, my faith will be increased because of it. And I can never, ever forget what God did. How could my faith fail now after what I saw? Praise God. I know the impossibility that was before me. I saw the miracle unfold right before my eyes while it was happening. I knew it was the hand of God. And every day, my faith was just getting stronger and building up more and more. I'm able to believe more because of it. I'm able to believe in the impossibility now because of it. For so long, I wondered how in the world do people buy a house? How do people do it? I was making good money. We wanted a home, but it was so unattainable. How do you save up that kind of money to buy a house? You know, I'm working myself to the bone here. You know, I'm, I'm working overtime. I'm working weekends. I, I'm forfeiting holidays. I'm chasing this money. And, and for a decade, it didn't happen. But God did for us in a matter of weeks what I couldn't do in a decade. Last January, it came over the pulpit from the bishop. He said, if you believed that God could give you a house, it's going to happen. This was in January. He said, it's going to happen before July. And I thought, oh, yeah, right. Sure. But we decided we were going to believe it. We didn't have uh, any money in the bank, any money. And it was, uh, I had just gotten laid off, actually. So here I am, believing I'm going to have a house and no money and no job. And it was easy for me to believe that God could do it for somebody else. There was no problem with that. But it took a lot of faith to believe that God could do it for us. Amen. Sometimes you just got to accept that God wants to bless you. Praise God that God wants to bless me. And as the months rolled by, nothing was happening, but we still kept believing. February, March, April rolls around, and at the start of May, we have very little saved. But I get this promotion. They put me in charge of this large project at work. And six and seven weeks later, I got the down payment already. I just I couldn't believe what was happening. The money that was coming in, I was almost ashamed of the money that was coming in. 
And we buy the house in, in June, and by the end of July, we're in the house. Can you believe that? This is how God can work. This is a victory that I have in my corner. And I'll never forget it. Nothing that I did. And I think of it often. It might not mean anything to you, but it's something I lean on literally every single day. Something that builds my faith. So in the days where I need something that I think is unattainable, I can look into my past and say, look what the Lord has done. He can do it again. Praise God. The next time the enemy comes around, sowing seeds of doubt, saying that God can't and God won't, he can say, look, he already did. He already did it for me. Praise God. He did the impossible once. He can do it again. Amen. I preached long enough. Sister April, could you come? Can we get somebody on the drums? Caleb, can you help me out? Too often we look at our past in shame and embarrassment. We feel it's better not to remember it at all. But God has done some things for his people. God has done some things for this church. Amen. It's time we remember them. Let it be the fuel for the next one, the next miracle. You might say, I don't have any victories. I never overcame anything significant. I mean, that's not true. We're all here today because we overcame some things. Amen. But just in case, let the victory of your brother and your sister build your faith. Let the victories of the, in the word of God build your faith. Amen. It works because it's what I did. Praise God. Amen. If you haven't got these victories, it's time to start building them. Praise God. I really don't want this service to end without us taking a look and remembering what God has done for us. We're all facing a challenge. And as we sing, let's sing that song, Look What the Lord Has Done. He healed my body. He changed my mind. As we sing, start to build some memorials in your mind. Start to remember what God has already done for us. Praise God. It can, let it be the catalyst for the next miracle, the next victory, the next blessing. Praise God. Sister April. Well, look what the Lord has Yeah.